the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Company and other factors. Not a- the following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. blind but now 
is it possible? How is it possible that a person can claim to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and still be living under the oppression of this world, under the lust of the flesh, the pride of life? How is that possible? The good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to save us, not just for heaven, but for now. He came to give us new life now. Do you have that new life? The glorious truth is that Jesus is offering to us, to you, today, new life. We find in the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, and you being dead in the trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked, according to the age of this world, according to the ruler of the authority of the air, the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all were once formerly dominated by the lust of our flesh, doing the will of the flesh and the mind. And we used to be by nature children of wrath, even as the others. My question is, are you today still dead in your trespasses and sins? Or are you free? Do you walk in the joy of your salvation? Has heaven come now to you in your walk with Jesus? Now he continues, But God being rich in mercy by means of his great love with which he loved us, even being dead in the sins, he made us alive with Christ. You have been saved by grace, even raised up together and seated together in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus, in order that he might show himself in open exhibition in the coming age with reference to the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved by means of faith, and this is not of you, it is the gift of God, not out of works, so that no one may glory in himself. For we are his workmanship, having been changed completely in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand in order that we might walk in them. Is this your experience? Is this how you walk? Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. With me in studio is Alexandra, my wife. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. This passage we just shared of Ephesians 2, I just want to share it from another translation. This is Ephesians 2.10 from the Common English Bible. Instead, we are God's accomplishment created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. I like this because it's not just that we're going about our life and we do a good thing here and there, but it's really a way of life that we're doing good and we're kind. We're reaching out to those around us as a lifestyle. It's the way of life. It is a new life. It is not the same old life. It is 
transformed and something new has come. I want to read another another passage. See if I can find it quickly. Yes, 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Let me read a portion of this. He's addressing first by saying, look, we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us. This is verse 10. This is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. That each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You see, all of us have the same amount of time every day, 24 hours. And we get to choose how we're going to use that. Now, I've made a very real choice in my life. I've chosen that for those 24 hours every day, I will belong to Jesus Christ. I will not use my mind or my heart or my energies to serve the powers of darkness with anger and bitterness and rage, fornication, swearing. I'm not going to use my time and my energy to serve the powers of darkness. I've been called out of that darkness. And I'm now literally a new creature. And it's a wonderful gift to be a new person. I want to read something for you very quickly, if I can find it. First uh, Corinthians, it's a, it's a commentary comment on First Corinthians, the fifth chapter. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. I'm in the wrong book. Okay, go to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. It speaks of a new creation. The commentary note is, the new creation is new in the sense that it never before existed in the fallen uh, Adamic race, that is, the race of Adam. Man was originally created in the image of God, that is, righteousness, innocence, holiness, and true knowledge. When Adam fell, he had a son born in his own image, in Genesis 5.3. He had a carnal nature. The new creation is a reference to restoration from the condition of the fall, so no sinning Christian can claim to be experiencing this totally new life. This new life is the same life that Adam had before he fell. We are restored to that life. Now, that doesn't mean we can't sin. It doesn't mean we can't fall. But my emphasis is not there. I want you to know you've been called to allow God to make you a new person, one that never existed before. And I know all of us have our old habits, our old ways, our way of thinking, and that old way is a way of destruction, of sadness, of depression, of fear, of anger. We've been brought into a new life. It's not the same. It's a brand new life. And now, 
everything around us changes. This new life, it's not a change in personality, but it's you being freed from every kind of evil. It's being freed from sin, being freed from addiction, being freed from those feelings of rage, perhaps, or depression that seem to overcome you and you're powerless to fight against it. And we're freed so that we can be the person who God originally created us to be. He created us to be pure, holy, to really want the best for other people, to reach out and help them, to share the gospel. And so he wants to free us first because he loves us. He doesn't enjoy seeing us suffering. He doesn't enjoy seeing us in pain. But secondly, because once we're freed from those things, we're free to reach out to others. So we're not saying that somehow your personality has to die or your character has to change. It's not about that. It's about you as a person being freed from those outside influences that have come on you and put you into the bondage of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy every work of the devil. That's First John. And he came to give us, I want to say, a new character, a holy character. Not a change of personality, but a change of character. He wants to give to us a Christ-likeness. I want to read it for you. So from now on, we know no one according to the flesh. What is the flesh here? It's the old, it's the old way I was. It's the old habits. It's the new thought. It's the old thought patterns. Now, even if we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we no longer know him. So Paul's saying it's possible to know about Jesus after the flesh. Well, how is that possible? Well, a man can say, I'm a Christian. I follow after Jesus. And yet, his time and energy, every morsel of his body is giving to serve the powers of darkness. This changes when we come to Christ. We no longer know Christ after the flesh. Verse 17, so if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things came to an end. Pay attention that the all things have become new. Now the all things are out from God, the one having reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and having given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We're literally ambassadors. That's awesome news. Anything you want to share on that? Yes, I want to share here the Apostle Paul speaks of this ministry of reconciliation, of us being ambassadors, of being Christ's representatives. He speaks of it as imploring people to be reconciled to God. However, we're apt to take this passage, especially if you've been involved in, say, street evangelism, and understand it to mean only verbal sharing. 
but if we are Christ's representative, that means that we're doing the same things that Jesus did. So it's not just that we're talking about Jesus, but we're actually representing him. Jesus spoke about this in, it's recorded in the Gospel of John. This is John 14, verses 10 through 14. Jesus said, Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I have spoken to you I don't speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Trust me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe on account of the works themselves. I assure you that whoever believes in me will do the works that I do. They will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask for in my name, so that the Father can be glorified in the Son. When you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Now Jesus did a number of works. I just started to make a brief list of the works Jesus did. We know that Jesus healed. He bound up the brokenhearted. This is something that we can all do. We encounter daily people who are broken of heart. And if we're going to represent Jesus, when we encounter those people, we can listen to them. We can pray with them. We can help bind up that brokenness. Jesus cast out demons. He broke addictions. He cured people of insanity. I pray that this will follow our preaching of the gospel. He also gave to everyone who asked. He didn't necessarily give them the thing they were asking for, but he gave them something. He went the extra mile for people. So this is very important. It's very dangerous to think that the gospel just consists in verbally sharing information. The gospel has to also be our way of life. They go together. I had a, a dear friend who is a Christian. I used to do street evangelism with him. But he would get in these tangles with his wife and he would yell at her. He would say things he shouldn't have said. He would later apologize. But it was a very destructive influence in the marriage because his wife was looking at this and you know kind of thinking you know you're going out doing street evangelism and yet you're fighting with me in our home and I'm sad that that marriage did eventually end over a number of issues um, but I don't want that for you I want you to live a life of integrity where even if Miracles are not regularly happening. At least you are doing the works of mercy that Jesus demonstrated when he came. Jesus was moved with compassion when he saw the hungry. And his response was to multiply food to feed them, to feed over 5,000 people. He wasn't doing that just to do a miracle. But he was doing it because he actually saw these people fainting because they were so hungry. And he said, I want to help them. And he had the ability to help them. And so he helped them according to his ability. Now, there are, praise God, instances of food multiplication today. Jackie Pullinger, who we've been sharing in her ministry, does see food multiplication happen. But even if there isn't food multiplication happening, you can still share your food with somebody who needs it. In verse 20, 
of 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Paul writes, In behalf of Christ, then, we are ambassadors, with the result that God's calling is through us. That's what you were saying. The calling of God comes through us, not just by words, but it's through us. So when an ambassador leaves the United States and goes to another nation, they literally are representing the president of the United States. They are his direct witnesses in that place. Likewise, if we're ambassadors of Christ, we are directly representing Jesus, and he does that through us. He continues. Those of you who have visited a foreign country will understand this. When you're an American and you go to a foreign country and people meet you, they, your interaction with them is how they understand Americans to be and how they understand America. And hopefully you're having a good influence on them. But it is kind of funny because there's millions of Americans and we're all very different, but... You know, if you're only meeting in your whole life one or two people from that country, then what do you really have to go on except those one or two people? It's just how we're apt to think. And it's similar, except we have many more Christians in this world than we have Americans in other countries. But it's similar in that when people meet Christians, their understanding of who Christ is is going to be directly impacted by how you are. And so Paul says, we urgently ask in behalf of Christ, you must allow yourselves to be reconciled to God. For the one not having experienced sin, he took sin in our behalf in order that he might make, might be made righteous by God in him. We could be made righteous. So there's a key word here that I want to emphasize. You have to decide if you will allow God to do his wonderful work in your heart. If you say no, then you are following after Jesus if you call yourself a Christian after the flesh. I don't want to follow Jesus and I will not follow Jesus after the flesh. I don't follow him for what I can get from him. I don't follow him half-heartedly. I follow him all the way with eagerness and earnest intent to be his ambassador to you right now on the radio and to those I meet after the radio. It is my decision to allow Jesus to do his work in my heart. It's not self-help. It's not self-improvement. It's utterly giving over my heart and my life to be transformed and changed and to be set free by the power of Jesus. Now, I want to share a story, and I've asked Alexandra to read it. The reason I want her to read this story about Ah Ping, a man who was ministered to in, in Hong Kong, 
this man went through this radical transformation. Now, part of why we don't go through this same radical transformation today in America is because our Christian faith has become very cultural. It's become a social way of life. And so we continue to follow Jesus after the flesh and never become his ambassadors, never become transformed and changed into a new person. You're just the same old, same old, but now you say you're a Christian. There's something much better than that being offered to us. Something very exciting is being offered to us. Listen as we share this story with you. This is the story of Ah Ping. It's recorded in Jackie Pullinger's second book, Crack in the Wall, Life and Death in Kowloon Walled City. This book has a lot of photographs. There is, in fact, a photograph of Ah Ping in this story. She writes, When Ah Ping first came to the Walled City room, he could hardly stand up because of the mixture of drugs he had pumped into his body. He staggered across the room and slumped onto a chair, his head lolling on his chest. He was a big man, only semi-conscious. A couple of us approached him, and it was when we saw his arms, badly swollen, every vein so infected, that large, dark, blue-green bruises covered his arms. He clearly had a fever as well. The friend who was with him told us that they were living in Shaiwan at the time. Ah Ping's home was a doorway. His bed was the rubbish constantly piled there, waiting for collection. He was past caring. Weeks later, Ah Ping told us how he had come through the schools of crime and drug addiction. Starting in the kindergarten of petty offenses and pill-taking, he described himself as having graduated to long-term prison sentences and near-lethal doses of drugs. On that day... Ah Ping vaguely remembers hearing something about Jesus, but it did not mean very much to him. He remembers the love and concern shown to him, which he couldn't understand, and how several of us prayed for his arms. At the end of the meeting, he disappeared into the darkness of the city. The next week, a different Ah Ping walked through the door of the well. He could not contain his excitement. Over the last week, his arms had improved dramatically each day. With a flourish, he showed everyone his arms. The infection was gone. The veins looked normal. The swelling had totally disappeared, leaving only the faintest trace of bruising. Ah Ping was over the moon. All he knew was that Jesus had healed his arms, and he badly wanted to know this Jesus. It was only a matter of days before he came to live with us. That's in the rehabilitation homes that they started in Hong Kong. The change in Ah Ping from the inside out was so radical, and to him so obvious, that he could not understand why anyone should doubt it. He knew he had much to learn, habits to change, and he wanted it all overnight. Most of all, he wanted reconciliation with his family. Ah Ping's story was worse than most. He had devastated his family for over 20 years. His wife had long since left, he'd beaten up his mother on several occasions, and had even tried to sell his only daughter to get money to feed his habit. 
Now he was horrified as he saw his actions for what they were, without the anesthetic of drugs. More than anything, he wanted to make it up to them and tell them how sorry he was. It took all our persuasive powers to convince him to be patient and to pray. When we first contacted his mother, she was so petrified that Ah Ping might try to see them that she threatened to call the police should he come anywhere near her or his daughter. We understood, we talked, we prayed, and we waited. In due course, she agreed to meet a couple of helpers, but not Ah Ping. His sister-in-law came to visit him and was deeply moved by the change she saw. It was not long before she too became a Christian, along with half of her family. As time passed and months became years, it was evident to all who knew him that Ah Ping had become a gentle giant and a man of compassion. Ah Ping's mother, after many months, brought his daughter to visit him and they continued to develop a loving relationship. The one who had been worse than trash in the eyes of his family had become the one to whom they turned. Did you want to comment or shall I continue reading? No, let's continue. Ah Ping was acutely aware of his weaknesses and of his own inadequacies. He was under no illusions. He never saw himself as being able to do great things for God, Without Jesus, he was nothing and had nothing. He became increasingly certain that he should be helping us more than just in his spare time, and because he was sure this was God's will, he had the confidence to give up his job and go to help at a first-stage house. The drug addicts who went through rehab through the St. Stephen Society ministry went through different houses, and so he went to the first-stage house where the, ad the addicts just coming off drugs would be. Very quickly, the other helpers grew in their respect for him. Ah Ping had a servant's heart and frequently displayed surprising wisdom. He was often heard to say, To me, praying is the most important thing. When I run out of words or out of understanding, I pray in tongues a lot. The dream about Macau frightened Ah Ping, he had a dream that he was to go serve in Macau. Logically, he had to be the wrong man for the job. He had a criminal record in Macau and was unlikely to get a visa. But he grew increasingly convinced that he should go and decided to try some doors. When the authorities heard what Ah Ping wanted to do, they waved all the usual red tape, ignored his record, and welcomed him to set up in Macau. He then had to sort out a place to live to start a home. A young man already trying to help drug addicts kindly offered the use of his apartment, and this became a stepping stone until Ah Ping was able to rent his own. I set up a house with Matthew from New Zealand for those who were on heroin. We experienced many difficult things at the beginning. In Hong Kong, I'd been used to talking with the leaders, but here I was the one in charge. God taught me, bit by bit, how to share his good news with my former addict friends. He alone opened the door for me to visit prisons. When I first visited the prison, the rooms were so small there was nowhere we could really talk, but we were given a place to meet, sing, and pray, the cafeteria. In Macau, after half your sentence you can be paroled if you have a sponsor. 
This was hard for those with no family, but I was able to help guarantee a few as I watched them change through their relationship with Jesus. I visited the homes of former addicts in Macau and had meetings with their families. Slowly but surely, those who were bound by sin in Macau were being freed. I looked at the fourteen brothers in our home and saw the Holy Spirit training them, and I thanked God for my own life, which was so filthy. God has enabled me to understand so much. It raises the question for me of of uh, your condition, your walk with Jesus. Is this your experience? I think this is a pretty typical example of what every person goes through as they come to Jesus. Caught in sin, unhappy, barely able to function, leaning on things in the world to give them some relief from the pain of their reality. And Jesus comes and does something. And the heart begins to turn toward Jesus and say, I must know this Jesus. And as he came to know Jesus, the old habits had to go. The old ways of thinking had to be left behind. And as he left those things behind, he was given a new mind and a new heart. And he wanted with all of his heart to be an ambassador for Jesus. Now, all of you aren't going to have to leave your job to become an ambassador for Jesus. He calls you where you work to be an ambassador until he calls you to another place. But the call on every Christian's life is to become an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Now, I look at Colossians, the third chapter, and I've been reading and rereading and rereading Colossians, the third chapter, many times a day. It is so direct and powerful. Chapter 3, verse 1, If then you were raised up with Christ, you must seek the things above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. You must set your mind upon the things above, not upon the things of earth. For you died, and your life has been hid with Christ in God. When Christ our life may be manifest, then also you will be manifest with him in glory. Accordingly, you did voluntarily put to death your members that are upon the earth. And then he lists all the things that are of the flesh, the sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustful desires, evil desires, greed, idolatry. What strikes me so powerfully is that somehow many of us walked halfway with Jesus and halfway with the world. And when I came through that and recognized that that's how I was living, my heart was broken. And the real 
the real crisis came in my life as God began to do things for me, that when I would pray, he would answer my prayer. And I said, wow, this is not just a philosophy. Jesus is real. Look what he's done outside of me, beyond my ability. I couldn't change this situation, but Jesus changed it when I asked him to. This man could not pray that his arms would be healed, so the Lord sent ambassadors to him to pray, and God heard their prayers. It's often that way. We pray for another. Almost everyone we meet, Alexandra will say, or I will say, may God bless you. And at first I thought, how can I ask God to bless this person caught in the depths of wickedness? Well, what is the blessing of God? To be brought fully into Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be blessed by God to be brought fully into the freedom of the gospel, to be brought fully into the pure love and joy of Jesus Christ. So I just wonder today, is there anyone listening and you would like to call and say, would you pray for me? I want to leave my sin. I want to know this Jesus you're speaking about. I just sense there's someone listening today. You know you're in trouble and you know there needs to be a change. You've been living the same old, same old forever. And today, you'd like Jesus to take over in your life. If that's you, would you call quickly 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero. Go ahead and get that pen or that pencil. I'm going to give you the number again in just a moment. And we have time. If you'd like to call, we'd like to pray with you. If you would like to leave the life of sin and be transformed and be made into a new creature, if you're tired of the old way of life, would you call 877-534-0780? Again, that number, 877-534-0780. Brother Kevin will take your call. He's waiting right now to take your call. And I'd like to say, as we wait for that brother or sister to call, it's given to all of us to walk in freedom in Jesus. Now, the devil's going to come after you with everything he has. But the scriptures say the gates of hell, the gates of darkness, cannot withstand the power of Jesus. He will deliver you. Let's share a principle that we find in nature and in life. If there's a, a pond 
and there's water flowing into the pond, but there's no outlet for the pond, what happens? It gets pretty stagnant. It gets a little gross in there. You get a lot of algae. If it continues happening long enough and there's runoff, say fertilizer or something going into the pond, it's going to get pretty rank in there and there's not going to be a lot of life left after a while. This is true with breathing. When we breathe in, we have to breathe back out. If we just try to breathe in and breathe in and breathe in and never breathe out, we'll suffocate. It's true with eating. We eat and then we digest and then we have to go to the bathroom. It would be really bad if we were eating and nothing ever came out. Now this is the principle that we're sharing which is that once you become a new Christian, once you become a new person in Jesus, there needs to be that outflow or your own Christian life will become stagnant. You will find a loss of joy in your Christian life. You will begin to lose the peace that you originally felt when you were saved. So if this has happened to you, if you recall, wow, you know, I had a really powerful conversion I was born again, I was so happy and excited for a few months, but then everything kind of seemed to fade. It's likely because you haven't been reaching out to others in practical ways. I can tell you there's, it's kind of counterintuitive to our natural mind, but there isn't much greater joy that a Christian can experience than going out of one's way to help somebody. I spent uh, this past Christmas, maybe four hours in the snow outside of Planned Parenthood singing Christmas carols. I mean, my legs were numb for almost an hour after I went back inside after those four hours. But it was tremendous. It was wonderful. We were able to give gifts to mothers and tr try to persuade them to change their mind, to offer them help, to say, you know, you do have choices. You can cancel your appointment. You don't have to go through with this. Because one of the common things that they'll t the, the Planned Parenthood will tell a mother who's scheduled an abortion, they'll say, you can't change your mind. The appointment's already made. It's really a horrible bondage that they put these women in. A lot of them would not prefer to have an abortion, but they feel they have no other option. That's why sidewalk counseling is so important. But it's not just that. It's things like lending someone money who needs it or buying somebody their groceries for the week. There's so many things we can do. Visiting someone who's sick, visiting someone who just had a baby, bringing them gifts. I love going to the store and picking out a card and you know a small gift for someone picking out a gift bag I think they'll like and then giving it to them when they're not expecting it that's a lot of the fun too what I'm saying is that when we talk about doing the works Jesus did it's really exciting it's fun it's fun to spontaneously pray for people who you meet in the grocery store or at the car repair place or at the gym I prayed with someone at the gym this morning because she was really sharing rather in depth with me some problems she was having. And finally, I mean, you can just feel like the heaviness starting to come down and you're like, you know, I'm just like, can I pray for you? Do you mind if I pray for you right now? She was kind of surprised. I've never prayed with her before. 
And she said, okay. And I prayed with her, and then she was really happy afterwards. Jesus wants to meet us where we are and change our lives, change our circumstances, reveal himself in a way that people know he's real. And it's not just Bible verses that we're throwing at people. I mean, we should share the Bible with them, but it shouldn't, that shouldn't be the only thing we're doing. That's all I'm saying. Well, it's clear that deep feelings of compassion come to us as we honestly look at the needs of people who don't know Jesus. And it could even be the needs of people who do know Jesus but are having a hard time. And we reach out to them. And we share with them. Paul says, kindness, humility, courtesy, patience toward others, bearing with one another. Do you have to bear with me? I do. <laughs> yes, we bear with each other. In other words, when we do something that irritates the other one accidentally, or intentionally because we're feeling upset. It takes courage to just bear with that person and not not yell back, not be angry, not be upset. But let the upset be with the other person and love them. We're called to bear with one another, freely favoring each other, if anyone may have a complaint against another, just as Christ freely favored you in the manner you also do. So, I hear that saying, that if you have a complaint against somebody, you don't cut them off. You don't disappear. But you bear with them. We find this further elaborated in the four Gospels, particularly in the Beatitudes and in Matthew 18, if we become aware that we have offended someone or someone has offended us, we're to go talk to them about it. And then that's where the forgiveness comes in. You're not just supposed to bury your feelings and try to forgive them without talking about it. But we want the word of Christ to dwell richly in us. We want the presence of Jesus to be so palpable, so real, so so powerful that as we walk through the world doing whatever work God has assigned us, there will be unexpressible joy in our heart and we will do as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians, rejoice, 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 rejoice. Because these little things that try to take us down, and I'm speaking about things that may seem very major to some, lack of finances, lack of, of a job, these are all major things in this world because the grocery stores want money for their food, and rightly so. But when we're in Christ, we cry out to him, we pray to him. And when we run out of words to say, we pray in tongues. But we continue praying and crying out to the Lord. 
and he will deliver us. Jackie Pollinger, she shares on her website, saintstephensociety.com, that many of the people they minister to there are in poverty, and they come to Jesus, and she says that they become free from a spirit of poverty. So these are people who have to face questions like, I have enough money to either buy rice for the day or to take the bus to church. What do I do? And she says that these people, even though they are still poor, they no longer are bound by a spirit of poverty, but they are free in Jesus and they're able to reach out to others in whatever way they can. I don't want to skip over verse 14. This says, and over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. God is after us loving each other, after truly putting a person's best interest first. In other words, you want what's best for the other person. And that comes by putting off sin. We can't truly want what's best for another person if we're still trapped in sin. So we put off the sin, and then God's love for us, and His he puts that love in us so that we can then pour that out to others. And what that creates is unity. And this is a big struggle now in the church, is we all say we want unity. Well, unity doesn't just come by itself. Unity is a result of love. Imagine how different it would be if, with the people around you, if you started to say, okay, what is actually best for this person and how can I help them do that? Why don't you try it and see how your relationships change with those people and see if unity starts to come out of that. Try it with your wife. Or try it with your husband. Try it with your children. Forgetting about yourself and asking, how can I help? This doesn't mean not caring for your own needs but it does mean that you it says let every man look after another's needs or it says in honor preferring one another we honor other people we see that they have an inherent value and dignity because god created them each person has inherent dignity and deserves to be treated with love and respect. And when people see that you're treating them that way, there can be a change. See, don't imagine that you can continue to walk in known rebellion and sin and justify that and still think that you can walk in the freedom and joy and love of Jesus. You can't. The, the joy and the love with Jesus comes when a man or woman lays it all on the altar and says, okay, I give my wife, my children, my money, my time. I no longer own anything. I put everything in the hands of Jesus. I die to my life. And now I only want in my life what Jesus wants for me. I will receive only from the hand of God what he wants to give to me. I'm not going to go create for myself. I am going to wait upon the Lord and obey his word and that opens the door and we have just a couple minutes left yes this is colossians 3 so we put on love which is the perfect bond of unity this results in the peace of christ 
controlling our hearts and thankfulness. So when we want unity, when we want peace, when we want gratitude, that all comes as we choose to put on love. And as I said, that, do that doesn't mean you become a doormat. You still have safe, healthy boundaries. And those are safe boundaries in which you can reach out and love other people and truly do what's best for them. Well, that wraps it up for today. We have two minutes left in our broadcast time, and we'd like to share quickly a ministry opportunity that you're doing. Yes, I am putting together a bra party for women who can't afford to buy new bras and who need them. It'll be a wonderful time. I'm going to take them out. And we are still much in need of funds for this. We are hoping to have about $600 to take out these women. You can send a donation by writing to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Just make sure you mark that the donation is for the bra party and it's scheduled for this Sunday, October 14th. Now I also want to let you know that we have changed the time of our worship service. We are now meeting at 10 a.m. If you'd like to be a part of the worship service, the praying, the upper room, the crying out to God, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to give you a number to call. 703-489-1785. That's 703-489-1785. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We're Ray and Alexandra Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Visit our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. God bless you. We love you. We'll talk. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.